especially today. No matter if this year is worse than last or if it's better than last, we can still have hope in God. So let's take a look at Jeremiah 31. Let's see what we can learn together from this wonderful book. So we're going to start in Jeremiah chapter 31, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 9 together. This is what the Lord says. Sing with joy for Jacob. Shout for the foremost of the nations. Make your praises heard and say, Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I will bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the lame, expectant mothers and women in labor. A great throng will, 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 will return. They will come with weeping. They will pray as I bring them back. I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble, because I am Israel's father, and Ephraim is my firstborn son. So as we look at these verses that are kind of introducing this idea, we see that, that Jeremiah, during this time right here, he is looking forward to a time whenever things are going to start to be restored and whenever things will be made right again. Because Jeremiah's message right now, where we're jumping in, is that, yes, that there is going to be a time in which the, the whole nation uh, of not just Israel, Israel, you know, the, the northern tribes of Israel, they've already gone into exile. So now it's the southern tribes that were still faithful to God, but now they're being unfaithful. And because of their unfaithfulness, they are going to be going into exile as well. And Jeremiah is prophesying here about a time in which the people of God will be brought back. See, this is the hope. The hope that he has, it rests in his God. The hope that we have today, it rests in our God and what our God is doing. And the fact that he always has in mind our well-being. And he's always going to act for our well-being as well. And here we see this, this image about what it will look like whenever the, the nation of Israel comes back to their rightful place. And, you know, that is a good thing for us to think about. You know, what does it look like whenever we come back to the place that God has called for us to be, that, that he wants us to be? Because all of us have, have gone out into a foreign land, so to speak. We've all gone into the, the, the land of sin. But God wants us to come back into his land. And what will that day look like? I think we get a glimpse of it here. And it's the same type of thing. Now, I mean, I know that I'm taking these things from an ancient people and I'm applying them to us today. But I think it so much so fits exactly with what we what we need to be seeing today what we need to be seeing really in each generation, this welcoming back of, of being in the right place, the place where God wants us to be. But this passage in this chapter, it continues on. Let's look at verses 10 through 14 of Jeremiah 31 now. And notice here that we get, you know, if it wasn't uh, evidence enough in the last slide, this slide we start to see that it's expanding. You know, I, I think that it's wonderful for us to point these things out and to recognize that these things are not just about Israel. They're not just about Judah. They're not just about the, the children uh, of God during that time. It's broader than that. It talks about these other nations also getting news about this. So l listen to these verses here, verses 10 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord, you nations. Proclaim it in distant coastlands. 
He who scattered Israel will gather them and will watch over his flock like a shepherd. For the Lord will deliver Jacob and redeem them from the hand of those stronger than they. They will come and shout for joy on the heights of Zion. They will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord, the grain, the new wine, and the olive oil, the young of the flocks and herds. They will be like well-watered garden, and they will sorrow no more. Then young women will dance and be glad, young men and old as well. I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. I will satisfy the priest with abundance, and my people will be filled with my bounty, declares the Lord. So in this passage, we, we see this hope. We see this message of hope, and that is because, yes, the God of Israel, he scattered his people. He scattered them because of their disbelief. But that same God who scattered is also going to gather them. He's going to watch over his people like a shepherd watches over his flock. You're probably already thinking about it, but I'll go ahead and I'll point it out. What comes to my mind is Psalm 23, about how the Lord is my shepherd and how he cares so much for us. Or maybe you're thinking of John 10, where Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. All of these images, I believe, are appropriate here. And what we see is this, this message of what it will look like whenever God's people come back to the land of where they were supposed to be in the first place, the land where they belong. Now, today, of course, it's not some you know, physical location in which we belong, but God's people do belong in a certain land. We still have our Zion today. We still sing of Zion. Now, the Zion that this passage is talking about, that is uh, Israel. That's Jerusalem. You know, that, that's all in this location. But the Zion for today, it, it's kind of that promised land, that land that, was, that has been set aside for us. Not a physical location, but still a location, a type of place that we are called to be, one that God is our leader, and we are being shepherd shepherded by him as the flock of God. This is the type of image, and you see all these good things that God is going to do. This is what he declared. He declared this for Israel, and of course, we see these things carried over into us, and we see these things being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That's why I think we even see in the next few verses something that does point to Jesus Christ and is connected with Jesus Christ in the Gospels. Notice verses 15 through 17. Let's start off just by looking at verse 15 first, and we'll get into verse 16 and 17 in a moment. But just verse 15 alone, it says, This is what the Lord says. A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Let's pause right there. I know that's not a positive message, but notice that it's going to get positive. Don't, don't look just yet, okay? Just, just keep verses 16 and 17 for just a moment. I want us to, to flip in our Bibles into the New Testament, into Matthew chapter 2. Now, this is what we you know, oftentimes kind of consider as part of the, the Christmas story, so to speak. This is uh, around the, the birth of Jesus, and we're going to pick up here, and Matthew is the one that records those magi, the, the wise men from the east. They came and they started speaking to Herod. But among all of this, we see that, that after the magi, they go and they worship King Jesus. You remember how Herod responds whenever he finds out about it. That's what we read in Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 through 18. And notice that the, the passage that we read, verse, four, verse 15, is quoted here. Now, Matthew 2, 16 through 18. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, 
he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem in its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now this is this is typically part of the so-called you know kind of Christmas story that's might or might not have even heard it this this past you know Christmas season because it's not a part that we tend to focus on very much this part that that Herod acts out on this and it, it's kind of the, the sad part of the story the sad part is that he he is just so confused about what's going on in the sense of I'm, I'm not saying that he is confused like he just doesn't know it's just he's choosing to act no better than this and he orders the the killing of, of all of these young children right here. And it actually says that, that what Jeremiah prophesied, that it, it was fulfilled in this. So this passage here in Jeremiah 31, 15, it is fulfilled in the time of Jesus Christ. And it, it kind of points to that time of Jesus. But we see that, yeah, there was that voice of weeping. There, there was that time of mourning. But in this, we see the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. Now, this is the hope that is for all time. It was pointed to all the way back in Jeremiah chapter 31 in the Old Testament. And this is hundreds of years before Jesus ever set foot on this earth. But right here, around the time of his birth, we get it in Matthew 2 that, that it's connected with what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 31. This is our hope. And that's why right after verse 15 that, that's quoted in Matthew 2, we go back to Jeremiah 31 and the, the verses that are on the slide here. Let's go back and let's look now at verses 16 and 17 because the story continues verses 16 and 17 says this is what the lord says restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears for your work will be rewarded declares the lord they will return from the land of the enemy so there is hope for your descendants declares the lord your children will return to their own land so when you look at this passage what we see is yes it's bad. There is bad things. You know, even verse 15, it was talking about that, that that happened during the days of Jesus in Matthew chapter two, the the killing of all those innocent babies. But yet there still is hope that's found in this, that there is hope that is found in the Lord. And the Lord actually tells them to to, you know, to not to continue to weep, to be able to to be able to be able to move past that time, because the Lord is the one that is going to do something great. Now, specifically in Jeremiah 31, he's talking about that those people are going to return to the land, return to the place that they are supposed to be in. But of course, we can read within this and we can see this, this is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. This hope can be found in Jesus Christ. But there's still more in Jeremiah 31 that I want us to notice in connection with Jesus. And that appears just, we're gonna have to skip forward in this chapter, several verses. And we start to see exactly what Jesus Christ came here to do and, and a huge significance for Jesus coming. And it was prophesied also back in Jeremiah 31. This time we're going to look at verses 31 through 34 of Jeremiah 31. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. 
This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. So even in the time of Jeremiah, back in Jeremiah 31, he is talking about this, this new covenant. He's talking about this hope that can be found. One of the things that he, he states there is that this is going to be, you know, this covenant is going to be different. It's, it's going to be in verse 33. His law is going to be put in their mind. It's going to be written on their hearts. Now, contrast that what you see just a few chapters earlier in the book of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 1 and 2, you read, Judah's sin is engraved with an iron tool, inscribed with a flint point on the tablets of their hearts and on the horns of their altars. Even their children remember their altars and Asherah poles beside the spreading trees and on the hill, on the high hills. So back in Jeremiah 17, we found out that because of their idolatry, the, the nation of Israel, specifically the nation of Judah at this time, they've given themselves over to idols. They, they have done this sin that is inscribed on their hearts. That's why whenever, that, that's the huge significance of Jeremiah 31, whenever you find out that the law of God is going to be inscribed on their hearts. No longer is it this sin that's going to be inscribed on their hearts. It's now this new law, this new covenant. These things that God is doing in their midst, he's going to put his law in their minds and he's going to write it on their hearts. They're going to be in a special relationship with him. And this new covenant is talked about in the New Testament. I mean, that's after all what the New Testament even means. It is that new covenant. And Jesus mentioned that on the night that he was betrayed, whenever he was giving them the, the last supper, you know, the Lord's Supper, that new meaning for that old Passover festival. He referenced that new covenant there in Luke chapter 22. In Luke 22, verse 20, in the same way after the supper, Jesus took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. That's how God accomplished these things. That's how the new covenant came to be. It was through the blood of Jesus Christ. So as, as we look at this passage, we can have hope because God has, has seen to it that there is a new covenant. We can have hope because our God reigns. We can have hope today because our God is willing to do something great. He's willing to just, literally, he stepped into creation and pulled us back to the place that we are supposed to be. Out of the land of sin and into the land of God's presence, into the promised land, into the land of Zion. So hope for our time can be found in Jesus Christ. In fact, let, let's be honest, it's the same hope for all time. And it's always found in Jesus Christ. Jeremiah 31 pointed forward to it. And in the Gospels, they saw it in the present. And now you can read about it as something that has happened in the past, but it's, it's still that hope for all time. The past, the present, and the future. Jesus Christ offers us this hope. This is why we can have this wonderful hope during our time and during every time. I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized. 
and wash my sins away. I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized, and then I can be saved. I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized, with Jesus I'll be raised. I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized, giving God, giving God the praise, and I'll be born again. Born of the water and the Spirit, and I'll be born again. Born of the blood of the and I'll be born again. Walking in the love of forgiveness, and I'll be born again. Yes, born again, obeying Christ the the Lord, so my friend, I've been baptized, and washed my sins away. I love the Lord, so my friend, I've been baptized, I'm now among the saved. I love the Lord, so my friend, I've been baptized, with Jesus I've been raised. I love the Lord, so my friend, I've been baptized, giving God, giving God the praise, and I've been born again, born of the water and the spirit, and I've been born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, and I've been born again, walking in a life of forgiveness, and I've been born again, yes, born again, a child of God I am. Won't you come and be baptized and wash your sins away? I love you, friend. Won't you come and be baptized and then you can be saved? I love you, friend. Won't you come and be baptized? With Jesus, you'll be raised. I love you, friend. Won't you come and be baptized? Giving God, Giving God the praise and you'll be born again, born of the water and the spirit, and you'll be born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, and you'll be born again, walking in a life of forgiveness, and you'll be born again, yes, born again, obeying Christ the Lamb.